Here we go, back again. I promised you a special episode, an all-NBA podcast, and here it is. Joining me today to discuss all things National Basketball Association is former AAU coach and current director of basketball operations for Kingdom Unlimited AAU organization in southern New Jersey, Andy Noel. Andy will share his perspective on a wide range of NBA topics. This episode is not to be missed. So, sit back, relax, and listen up to this all-NBA episode of The Format. Andy for uh, coming on my show today and taking the time to talk with me. Bruce, thank you for having me. I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the consideration. Awesome. So you know we got a number of things to talk about, so let's get to it. First thing, it's been discussed ad nauseum in the media um, over the last few weeks, but one of the things I wanted to make sure I got to with you, so let's start with it, are Kevin Durant's comments on other superstars not wanting to play with the quote-unquote greatest of all time LeBron James um so one I'm not I, I, I give uh Kevin Durant all the props for coming out and saying it but I'm also not shocked KD happens to be one of those guys who's probably more a basketball purist than an actual media savvy uh superstar by today's standards um but what he said was uh, was essentially the truth I mean if you look at it right look at let's just look at what Kyrie did, right? Kyrie played with LeBron for, what, two or three years and decided he had had enough, right? Because essentially, it's an all-risk, no-reward proposition when you play with LeBron James, no matter who you are, right? Uh, Let's look at Kevin Love. Let's look at Dwayne Wade. Let's look at um, uh, Chris Bosh. Let's look at uh, all the other players who have basically had to change their games and now take a media backlash every time the team loses, Right, those are the guys who are, you know, have who were superstars and went and played with LeBron, and essentially whose careers have taken major hits as a result of the media's interpretation of who, is, or excuse me, the media's depiction of who's at fault. Um, when things go wrong, KD probably saying to himself, "Wait a minute, I'm not going to really go for that." Right, I'm here in a situation where where you know we are we are with a group that doesn't necessarily look for the limelight and doesn't necessarily look to point fingers we're here to get a job done when you're playing with LeBron James it's essentially you're playing in a cartoon right where the good guy always wins even if he loses and the good guy by the by the media by the media NBA media's interpretation right so um, think about it in these terms, right? LeBron James is playing in the finals uh, in 2016 when they were playing against Golden State. Until until uh, 
Draymond Green got suspended and uh, Andrew Bogut got hurt. LeBron James was, at, was, was shooting somewhere around 35%. Right, and they were down four. They were down three one. They were down three one for a reason, because Andre Iguodala was doing a great job on him. Draymond Green was doing a good job on him. There was no Kevin Durant. They were getting killed. Then, uh, you know, the, the league decides to intervene, and and then Bogut gets hurt, and all of a sudden they win the series. But what do they win the series off of? They win the series off of a off of a big shot. By, uh, by Kyrie Irving. Irving. Yeah. And let me interrupt you real quick. Um, I'm always quick to point out when you talk about that 2016 series, I'm always quick to point out, yes, LeBron statistically, in terms of his counting numbers, his uh, points, assists, rebounds, had a great series. That said, as you mentioned, they were down uh, three to one or one to three, however you want to look at it. And let's be real here. I'm not going to say the league through the series, but it's really coincidental that immediately that Draymond Green suspension happens and the whole tide shifts. Now, the argument is going to be the Warriors still had three more games to try and win the thing, and they didn't, and that's fair. But realistically, I think everybody who knows anything about basketball who saw that series knows Draymond doesn't get suspended. That's over in five, and that's another knock to LeBron's legacy. And I really felt like... The powers that be, I'll just say that, I'll use those terms, the powers that be did not want that to happen. And real quick, second note, I mentioned this on um, a a different uh, episode of the format that I did. When you look at what happened there with Draymond allegedly flinging his hand out to LeBron's man region, well, if I'm on the ground and any man comes and stands over me and rests his man region on the back of my neck, well, the reaction for me would have been a lot worse than what Draymond did. So... You can take that how you want to take it. No, I, so I agree with the point, and if you don't want to say it, I'll say it. Kiki Vandeweghe and crew decided to intervene on on LeBron's behalf because at this point, right, and this been said before, the NBA is in a is in a rough spot, right, because they're essentially now a media a media um, and marketing firm versus actually being a a competition based organization, right. So everything is essentially predicated, their marketing strategy is predicated on highlights and stats, right? Those things you can't argue, right? And who's great, who's better for highlights and stats than LeBron James, right? Absolutely. You know, if he, think about it, another thing in these terms, right? They're essentially gone away from half-court basketball, right? Because a player like him can't really play in a half-court system. You need him to be able to get out on the break. You need him to be able to create highlights. And how do you do that other than opening the game up? So even the way that they that they have um, tailored the rules now, it's essentially to create that, that um, highlight and stats kind of environment. So to a guy like LeBron James, right, when, when the league is – when the league sees that their narrative, which is this guy's amongst the greatest players in the game, is being challenged based on the numbers, what do they do? They suspend one of the guys who's basically keeping this guy from being able to 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 uh, to fulfill that narrative. But staying in context with with um, with the KD question, I think what, what the point that KD is trying to make is: listen, I'm I for one, and I'm sure other players as well, maybe who aren't as bold enough to come out and say it, but I for one don't need to stand in the corner and wait for LeBron James to pass me the ball. Um, any player worth his weight who understands how to play the game doesn't necessarily 
see themselves as a guy who's going to be a role player for a role player. Because a guy who can't really create his shot and can only create or can only play under certain circumstances is a role player. Right? People although people don't want to say that. KD's like, listen, you can put me into any system and I'm gonna be KD. You put me on any roster, I'm gonna give you the same thing I gave you on the last roster. Why would I go play in a situation where now I gotta essentially cater to this guy's skill set and I put air quotes around skill set and and then when I don't when I don't thrive under those circumstances now I'm essentially being castigated by the media right you and I'll call the names out right you have no nothings like you know Nick Wright and guys like Chris Broussard and and, uh, and Shannon Sharp. I mean, I don't even know what the heck Shannon Sharp's doing. Um, but but you have these guys who have now become the experts of basketball, and the reality is like, okay, what are you freaking talking about? Like for me, um, when I a guy like KD, what I like about KD is KD is a dude that will take on the guy standing or sitting across from him, right? KD, he's old school basketball in that regard, right? He doesn't mind going at the guy who's going at him. That's not LeBron James, right? So KD, in KD's mind, he's like, okay, and we'll see. Hopefully he doesn't, hopefully he fulfills this through the summer and doesn't go play on that team. But KD's like, I don't want to be on this dude's team. I want to beat him. And the, 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 the media took particular umbrage to him not only taking that posture, but to a degree calling them out, right? And calling them fanboys, and which they are fanboys, right? Because they, for some reason, they elevate the guy into a, into a GOAT conversation. And the reality is, how are you the GOAT when, when you've essentially been, you've been filleted on, on, on the world stage several times, right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely Steph, right. Uh, I agree. Steph, Steph Curry won three championships in four attempts on your watch and from you, right? KD won two championships on your watch, right? Um, Kawhi Leonard became the MVP and, and won a championship on your watch, right? Andre Iguodala became the NBA, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the Finals MVP on your watch. KD did it twice on your watch. No, but, you're right. Uh, from, from my perspective, I, I don't understand, and I'm being objective. I, I believe I'm being objective. I don't understand what puts him in the GOAT conversation. I just don't. You have a backwards, you have an in Inverted winning record, right? You have a three, you're three and six in the finals, right? Other guys have thrived during your era. The guys who are put in those categories don't have those blemishes on, on their resume. They just simply don't. I think very and simply, so, uh, let me, sorry to interrupt you. I think very simply no, what we're looking at in terms of him being elevated into the GOAT conversation, as you and I have discussed multiple times, kind of off air, was number one, his off-the-court activities, which realistically should have nothing to do with the GOAT conversation, but we see that taking place, and also secondary, um, we see just a tremendous amount of long-term production you know playing devil's advocate here i'm not the biggest lebron fan but we can be real in saying that i don't think we've ever seen a player continue this level of production this long in his career he hasn't for the most part been hampered by any major injury he's continued to put up the statistical numbers but the statistical numbers are somewhat misleading in that again it's not coming out to uh the ultimate fruition now people are going to say he has three championships i heard i heard it said on you know one of the uh talking head shows that 
he has three championships, so does Larry Bird. Yes, but Larry Bird has three championships in five attempts, not in nine, and he also has three championships in a much tougher era. So, you know, take it how you want to take it, but I think just the the amazing statistical production over time is what people want to utilize to elevate him into the uh goat conversation but with that said let's kind of shift gears here and let's if, talk if, if, yeah. if you don't if you don't mind I, I i don't mind shifting gears if you don't mind let me just finish off that point just yeah, to respond to what you just said so in that regard then they should get rid of championships because if we're just basing it off of, st- off of statistics right we don't need championships because now you've now shifted you've now shifted the paradigm of what used to quantify greatness to or or or, um, or at least people who are who are in that who are in that category of being the greatest amongst ever to now say okay we're just going to look at st- look at look at stats so where does that place Oscar Robinson right where does that place Will Chamberlain right so that's what we're going to do right so those guys have now been catapulted above among everyone else now because so it's essentially those two guys Oscar and Wilt and LeBron James since we're going to just base this off of off of stats right well just to respond to that real quick before we move on I think that um you have an outstanding point but what we're not taking into account on that particular topic that particular statement you just made is very simply that never has the media had so much influence on who's regarded as the goat or you you know where people are placed in the all-time pantheon but yeah there you go leaving and they're the the ones that are painting the picture right they're the ones that are telling the masses who are who 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 to uh how to view each of these players you're right absolutely so moving on from that um still discussing lebron though uh so we we kind of just talked about the uh, KD statements about other great players not wanting to play with LeBron James, but then we hear recently that LeBron kind of has kicked up a firestorm in his commentary on trying to basically recruit Anthony Davis to come play with him with the Lakers. Now, I heard Charles Barkley say that when he saw Anthony Davis sign with Clutch Sports, that he knew the fix was in. He stated that he hopes it doesn't happen because it's bad for competitive balance in the league, but that he feels that it's inevitable and the fix is in. So two points I want to make to that, and then I'll get your thoughts. Number one, I'm trying to decide, is that tampering LeBron speaking on trying to bring Anthony Davis there? Because by the rules, it is tampering. And had Magic Johnson or Rob Palenka said it, they would have been fined by the league. And number two, if I'm Anthony Davis, having seen what happens to players who have outstanding statistical production prior to playing with LeBron, why would I want to subject myself to such a situation? I heard it said, and this was uh, very succinctly put, when you go play with LeBron, it's all blame, no fame. Your thoughts? Yep. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good one. Um, I... Uh... So uh, two parts, right? Um, Barkley is an old school guy, and I, I agree with the way he sees it, right? Um, guys, you know, through through today's branding and today's marketing and the way that the, the game is promoted, it's almost as though you kind of have to be a little bit of an outlier, like a Damian Lillard, to say, I'm not going to do that. 
right? I'm going to stay where I am and we will build where I am. A guy like Anthony Davis, as talented as he is and as crafty as as as, as good as, as as he can, as he has been, I do see a little bit of weakness in 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 him from a character standpoint, where I can see him making that move. I can see him in the cover of night pulling pulling a uh, a Baltimore a uh, a Baltimore Colts kind of move where in the middle of the night he just basically disappears and he's in L.A. right because him signing with Clutch Sports, also known as the LeBron the LeBron Sports Agency, right? Um, him him signing with them. From I mean, it, why sign with them if if there is no if there is no um, ulterior motive, right? If there's no end game, right? You're not just there's there's thousands of different agents you could have gone with, and what can these guys do for you that you weren't going to be able to do by yourself? Because the 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 New Orleans general manager is going to give you whatever you want, right? You don't even need an agent to negotiate that contract, right? Because they're going to give you whatever you want. So what would really be your purpose for signing with Crush Sports? What are they going to get you that you wouldn't be able to get on your own, right? So so the the question becomes, right? Is he going to is is he going to go to L.A. from a basketball standpoint to the point that you made earlier? If you're willing to, so the pitch I'm sure that LA is going to make is, hey, you come over here as LeBron is on the decline, you'll be able to take over the team afterwards. So that's going to be the allure. But the issue, what he's probably not looking into, is okay in the short term, if this team falls apart, right, or if this team doesn't re- meet expectations, you're going to be the one that's taking the blame. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So, so now. Yeah, as he declines, that stench will remain on you, right? Because in order for you to go over there and in order for, for, for the Lakers to be able to get you, it's going to cost them, right? And another player, whatever player they try to get outside, of, that's going to cost them. What's going to end up happening is they're going to lose draft picks, right? And let's just say you guys get another superstar. You're not going to be in position to even get any draft picks for a while. So essentially, you'll be shouldering the load on this team in perpetuity for a long time. You're basically buying yourself a headache, right? Because think about all the other situations LeBron James has, has left. Outside of Cleveland uh, last year when Cleveland wised up and got all those got all those future picks and got all those young players to be able to say, okay, we'll be sustainable for the short term because the last time he left, we had to trade so many draft picks in order to get players to accommodate him. We kind of left us in a, in, in, in the, it kind of left us in a rut for a couple of years because we couldn't draft any players because we had to, we had to hand it, we had to hand over so many picks. The Lakers are going to be in that position, right? So let's say they trade for AD, right? What do you think? What do you think the coach is going to ask for? I mean, with the general New Orleans GM is going to ask for? I always forget his name. I apologize. What do you think he's going to ask for? He's going to ask for their studs and some picks, right? Oh yeah, so I'm going to empty their cupboard if I'm GM. If I'm GM yeah, of the so, Pelicans, so. I'm not just going to hand over Anthony Davis, make you nope. stronger, and not help myself. If that's happening, nope. I'm going to empty your cupboard. Bottom line, right? So now you're essentially, so it's essentially you're going to have, you're going to be, it's going to be AD, LeBron, and it's going to be AD, LeBron, and, um, and, 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 you know, some others, right? 
the, the issue is going to be now, I don't necessarily think their playing styles work well, right? Because you, what do you need to do to be a, 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 a player with LeBron James? You need to be able to clear the paint out and shoot jump shots. And hence the reason why uh, uh, Brandon Ingram is struggling now, right? Because he's not, he, he, he's a little bit of a mix. He needs, he needs space to operate as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that that's so funny because, um, you know, last season and going into this season, there were different trade deals on the table, but the Lakers were adamant about not including Brandon Ingram in anything and seeing him as a vital piece of the future. Suddenly, LeBron comes there. He has regressed. It's clear. It's obvious, and now Brandon Ingram is a tradable asset. It's just amazing, but, you know, as we talked about, the – the, the LeBron-friendly media is not going to be honest and show you these things. So it's it's just crazy. We see this is what often happens to players that play with this guy. See, I, 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 uh, side note, I admire your 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 uh, diplomacy uh, by calling them the the uh, the LeBron-friendly media. I call them I call like the Bleacher Report and ESPN. I call them LeBron James's media arm. Um, where <laughs> essentially <laughs> their, their, their job is to go out here and and make this guy look as good as possible. Like yesterday, I can't I can't tell you how many different posts with people saying happy birthday to him. I'm like, uh, that, so I'm assuming Devin Booker's Devin Booker's birthday is going to be next. What about <laughs> right, right? What about Andre Iguodala? Is anybody going to be telling me when his his birthday? Uh, what, Joe, what about Joel Embiid? When's his birthday? Right, right. right. <laughs> so, or, or, or I guess the response would be, well, you know, this is one of our marquee players. Like, okay, this is your only marquee player because he gets the eyes and the ears. I mean, the eyes, uh, the eyes and, and the contact. Like, he brings he brings all the boys to the yard. But I mean, listen, that's that's an aside. Um, but as as it relates to AD, I think. AD's best bet. Actually, he's in a bad spot, right? New Orleans is New Orleans. Like if they they were to get like a Jr. Just from a basketball standpoint, they get a Jr. Smith, they get Miritich back, and they get Peyton back. They are a problem. Like because Jr. Smith is, you can call him whatever you want. Jr. Smith is a decent, a decent three and D guy, right? The problem with Jr. Smith is. He, he, he ran out of real estate in Cleveland when he was playing with LeBron because if your job is simply to wait to cut to an open area when this guy, after this guy exploits a matchup, and and I've seen J.R. Smith, right? I, I freaking hated J.R. Smith the last couple of years because J.R. Smith is the toughest when he has a hand in his favor, and he'll hit some big shots for you. Yes. The problem is, the problem is you play in a system where your job is essentially to just keep running to open spots and figure out where to be at some point or another. That wears out, right? Those guys who got traded to Cleveland last year, um, um, uh, Isaiah Thomas. Who was it? Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Jay Crowder. Um, Jay Crowder, Jeff Green. All of those guys, except for the Jeff Green ended up saying, all those other guys were like, listen, this, they're not even playing a system over there. We don't practice. We don't practice. All we do is essentially basically move to an open area and wait for this dude to get you the ball. Any player worth his weight doesn't want to do that. Uh, to, you know, um, quoting um, KD. KD said, if you are a Kyle Corbin, this is a great system for you because you don't, you don't necessarily have other, any other skills except for shooting. But if you know how to do other stuff, like like when people like uh, I remember uh, if you know how to do other stuff, you become 
kind of like you know you become single faceted simply to accommodate a player who 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 basically can't play outside of this kind of system. I, I remember I was listening to some commentary. They were talking about J.R. Smith not being able to create his own shot off the dribble. I'm like, are you guys nuts? J.R. Smith has always been able to get his shot up off the dribble. I mean, you look at him in New Orleans, you look at him in New York, he's always been, and they look at him in Denver, always been able to get a shot off the dribble. If he can't do that on this team because of, how, because of the system that they're running, the LeBron James system, where if you dribble the ball more than five times, you're going to sit on the bench. Right. right. So yeah. It, no. Absolutely. It, it, <laughs> I'm with so you. Because listen, I'm a, I'm a I'm a basketball purist, right? I've been watching I've been watching Jr. since he came into the league. When they said that, I said, "Oh, you guys are just at this point. This is just a propaganda show, right? <laughs> We're just going to say, oh, wow, he can't, he can't, he can't, uh, he, he cannot, he can't uh, create his own shots.' But like, that's a lie. <laughs> Jr. Smith is a tough customer. Like he's thirty, he's about, he's about, maybe he's like thirty four years old now, somewhere in that range. So he may not be as quick. But J.R. Smith can add to a team, right? But you, like to the point I was making, you put him, you put him on a, you put him on in, in New Orleans, along with their other tools, right? And maybe they, maybe they pick somebody else up. He's in a great scenario. Believe you me, the proper AD is AD's looking for a splash. I, I read a quote where he had said something along the lines of him not. Despite all of his efforts and despite all of his productivity, nobody knows who he is. So the issue for him is he's looking for notoriety. And, yeah, I did see that. And, I think I think that's something he must have been fed because that's ridiculous. If you know basketball, you know who Anthony Davis is. I think that's something that he must have been fed in efforts to further the uh, the chances of him ending up in L.A. with LeBron. But again, to me. I can't see you being Anthony Davis not looking at Chris Bosh as your example. Of course, Anthony Davis is better than Chris Bosh, but I can't see you. Right. That that should be your example of why you don't want to go to L.A. and play with LeBron James. It, It just seems too obvious. But, you know, when you look at also the... I, I would say the supposed allure of being in Los Angeles, which also kind of throws me off because apparently just about all the pro athletes live in L.A. during the off season anyway. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you have four days off, uh, you got that kind of money, you can hop on a private jet and be in L.A. in a few hours. Like, it's mm-hmm. no problem for you to get to and from L.A. or to spend as much time as you want there in the off season. So I can't understand why that's still a selling point to be a member of the Laker franchise. And again, if you play with LeBron, you should know just by looking at the past what is going to happen to you. And I think Chris Bosh is the best analogy that Anthony Davis could and should make on the possibility of where his career goes if he goes to play with that guy. Agreed. Agreed. Very similar skill sets. Very similar skill sets. Very similar um, 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 uh, physical statures, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Anthony AD probably has a little bit of a better handle, but essentially yes. the same player, right? Uh, and now you're going to essentially be relegated to shooting three-point shots because this dude needs because he can't play with a post player, right? He can't play with a post presence, and AD to a large degree needs a lot of that room himself, right? Yes. He needs a lot of that space. He's going to play inside out. So yes. if you're playing inside out, LeBron isn't necessarily great playing off the ball, right? So if he has to play inside out. Um, 
um, you're not relegating LeBron James to him being a three point shooter. That's not going to happen. Right, right. Right. So, so, so it's a set. So one of you guys, to a degree, is going to have to acquiesce. And his history says that it ain't going to be LeBron James, right? So, so AD to a degree, to, like you, like you just said, not even think about it from that perspective. You're essentially turning yourself into Chris Bosh. You know, um, and 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 you're going to your job will be your job will be um, um, securing securing the rebound to pass to Ray Allen, and and hit, who hits the big shot, and then LeBron will get credit for that championship. All right, that's all you're going to be doing. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> going to be your job. Right. So the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors. That was a huge outrage in the league. Um, he was roundly denigrated, myself included. I definitely, again, coming from a different era, I thought it was just a weak move. I'm not a big proponent of these superstars <laughs> joining teams, etc. That said, um, he had to do what he had to do, and that's kind of the way business is done in the modern NBA. Okay, so with that, one of the reasons he was denigrated was the difference that was made between him going to the Warriors and LeBron going to Miami and forming his super team it was said, okay, uh, when you went to the Warriors, this is the team that beat you the year before. That's the difference. Okay, let's go with that. So I find it very interesting that immediately following last year's, well, not immediately, but when LeBron made his announcement that he was going to L.A. with uh, admittedly much less fanfare this time, um, it was then reported that he called Kevin Durant and tried to recruit him to come to play with him in Los Angeles. Now, in his defense, LeBron and his team have roundly refuted this, uh, but that's hard to believe being that LeBron has recently come out and said that he's always, throughout his career, tried to recruit players to come and play with him. Um, with all of that, you look at it and you wonder, and here's my big question for you, besides the obvious, what possible argument can be made for the media that it's different that after losing to LeBron James, uh, excuse me, after losing to the Warriors in the finals, that LeBron called and tried to recruit KD, what possible difference can be made between that and the Warriors calling to recruit KD when, when they lost in the finals? Uh, all, all I can do is give you my perspective because I don't speak media needs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and I, I say that half jokingly because these guys are, have essentially, these guys have essentially thrown out all the rules, right? These guys have essentially created circumstances. So the media, to a large degree, almost as though it appears they almost appear to have a vested interest in these outcomes, right? So the let's this let's just use the. Uh, you know, uh, KD going to Golden State as as one of the examples. The amount of vitriol that he faced, right? They questioned him as an individual. Uh, he's a sensitive guy. Uh, this, that, and the third. The reality is, KD, K, that move from KD was brilliant. And here's why: under, the, under these circumstances, under these new rules. And here's why I say it: LeBron James jumps teams twice. And, the, and basically has now been catapulted into a stratosphere with the greatest players ever to play the game, right? Celebrated, yes, celebrated. Cele ce celebrated and, and exalted, right? 
and t- now essentially being put into into the same category only with him and Michael Jordan, to, as 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 the media would have you believe, as the NBA media would have you believe, essentially being neck and neck with with Michael Jordan, right? Who's never who's never taken the shortcuts that LeBron James has, right? And and if you can call it to me, he's the Picasso of shortcut artists, right? Well, people but, are also going to tell you. Let me interrupt you real quick. People are also going to okay. tell you that. Well, maybe in Michael Jordan's era, if the athletes had the opportunity to do that, they would have. Now, that's what people are going to say, but I'm also going to say that's ridiculous because I heard Dominique Wilkins say that I believe in the either 87 or 88 offseason, he had the opportunity to go to New York and play with the Knicks. That would have been crazy, and maybe if that happens, Patrick Ewing gets a title and the Knicks get a title. But you know what Dominique said? He said, I could have done that. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to beat guys, not join them. But go ahead with where you uh, where you were going with your comments. And, and to those who would say that, I would say if my aunt had a beard, she'd be my uncle, right? <laughs> um, because right. <laughs> because because listen, there's a lot of hypothesis. But all we can do is count on what we all we can do is measure what we've seen, right, and what we know, right. And what what we know was these guys competed, right? You have you you KD's in a situation where. If he's in a once in a lifetime, he has a once in a lifetime opportunity to join this team because of contract, because of, of contract issues that they, uh, the way that their contracts were structured, um, Steph having a busted ankle and them them not really giving him the max, the window was pretty small, right? So in his mind, he's probably like, okay, great, I can, I can do this, and and I've been greenlighted, I've been given the opportunity to do it because the the NBA's biggest star has done it twice. Right, because at the end of the night, all the particulars don't really matter. Right, the what, the end result is the end result. You left your team and went to play for another team because that's at the end of the night. That's all that matters. Right. So you guys have you guys have made have given LeBron essentially the red carpet treatment as a result of this uh, um, um, what, um, after this move that he made. Right. So now when he does it, the league the, the league is essentially like, wait a minute. Him going over there completely tips the balances, right? He completely throws the balance of the league off, according to them. But the biggest issue is now LeBron James essentially is probably not going to win a championship for years to come as long as KD's on that team, right? So now what do they start doing? They start basically denigrating KD every move, every time they get a chance, right? So everything that he does is an issue, right? Except for when that window opens and he starts rec- and LeBron starts recruiting him, because in the event that he goes and plays with LeBron, which essentially they're almost telling him like the cowherds of the world and the Nick Wrights of the world, essentially saying, "Hey, why don't you go play with LeBron?" With the minute he signs back with Golden State, he's back to being a jerk, right? He's back to be he's back to being a pariah, right? Because essentially the league is the league's the league's thing is it's as long as we can we can create this narrative that LeBron is in the conversation, we keep we keep the novice fan, not the purists. They don't care about the purists. We keep the novice fan engaged, right? Who brings all the boys to the yard? Who is who's who is who is easiest to sell? LeBron James. So now we got to keep him winning. So so if you if if you ever have some of these arguments with Atlanta, I don't think that you do, but I'm 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 a little confrontational in that regard. Where I actually have post uh, social sorry social media arguments 
where you hear some of the stuff that these guys say because it's essentially they're all they're doing is parroting what the Cowherd and the Nick Wrights and and the, and the Broussards are are saying about LeBron because there's no real argument to be made, right? So the the being able to distinguish between LeBron recruiting all these guys and recruiting a KD, right? The media is going to give him a pass because they're so long as their objective is met, right? And their objective that their objective is to be able to justify them calling him the greatest player of all time. So now it went from being, okay, well, Michael Jordan had six championships, LeBron only had three, and, and LeBron lost six times lost six times. Now the argument has shifted. Well it's not about it's not about um um championships anymore. It's about something else, right? So right. It's, yeah, it's, now it's uh now it's LeBron has the stats and LeBron opened his school yeah, and Michael know. Jordan was a womanizer and Michael Jordan punched a teammate yeah. and Michael Jordan gambled and smoked cigars and none yeah. of these things have anything to do with when Michael Jordan puts his sneakers on and laces them up and goes on, on the court and destroys elite, you know, dream team level competition <laughs> night in and night exactly. out and pays exactly. his and pays his dues on a team that had to be built up around him and go through two of the all-time great teams Brilliant in the point. East to get Brilliant to his point. championship level, all that stuff is placed to the side because clearly that's just not how things go anymore. And I understand totally that the NBA has to market its superstars. The NBA, I get that. But I would expect a little more from the media itself. But here's here's the issue, right? So I I, crack, I was having dinner and talking about this with a buddy last night, and he he made the point that you just made, right? In terms of all the ancillary attributes that are that are highlighted when talking about LeBron, I said so, and I made the exact same point. I said. When these guys are making their point, right, they'll say, well, Michael Jordan was, uh, you know, he invested in prisons and this, that, and the third. And I said... That was actually a different Michael Jordan, by the way. That was proven to be a falsehood, but go on. Let's just say the truth. And this is, what I, this is what I told my buddy. I told my buddy, I said, let's say Michael Jordan not only punched a teammate, not only did he punch the teammate, but he went to the teammate's house and punched his wife and his grand and, and his and, and her and his grandmother. Right. So now he's punched a teammate, he punched a wife and a grandmother. I said Michael Jordan would still be a better player than LeBron James. <laughs> because it has nothing to do with anything. But the issue is the media knows who they're speaking to, right? The the average the average NBA player doesn't even engage till after Christmas, right? Sometimes some not is it even yeah, somewhere somewhere around Christmas is when they're engaged, right? And when the playoffs come, this is when the novice comes. In right, these guys don't even watch the games, right? So any narrative that you that you are creating can easily be sold because these guys aren't engaged. And the and I don't know if I made this point earlier, but the, the NBA's biggest problem is their standard bearer, their best player in history, retired 15 years ago, right? So now, how do you how do you keep the fans engaged when that is your issue? So now, what do you do? You create the narrative for the new guy, right? So now the new guy doesn't necessarily match up. So what do you start doing? You create additional narratives so he can match up, right? So when this guy basically, like the other day, he comes to the game with a with a glass of wine. It's like, oh wow! I'm, right. I can't wait to see what I can't wait to see what the spin on this one is. Right. right? Yeah, I, I really <laughs> didn't understand what was the point of that, but uh, yeah. It's again, right? It's but, but what it is, 
and, and we didn't hear a word, right? No one says a word, but you're telling me Michael Jordan is a drinker and a smoker and he goes and he goes and gambles, right? Yes. I don't, I've never personally seen Michael Jordan go gamble, right? I've heard, but I've never seen it, right? <laughs> so, but, but what it is, it, it's essentially, and he definitely does and putting it on camera for everyone to see. The, the challenge is, right, the challenge for them is they are, they, they are, the, I, I would say the challenge to them, their issue is they understand we have a an audience that isn't necessarily 100% engaged and they don't have the foundational knowledge to be able to discern when we're telling the truth and when we aren't, right? So therefore, we can kind of throw anything out there, right? Like, like, like um, the, uh, what do you call it? The, the young lady, Rachel Nichols, right? Yes. When, this, when, when she opens her mouth, I completely disengaged, right? Because just, there's nothing she's going to say that has any credibility to it, right? Because she's someone one who who said herself she watched she was there i think she was a, a college student when the bulls were playing um back then and she she reckoned, she knew what was happening back then and she still puts lebron in that category come on seriously so so for me it's like okay this is all media for you right this is you're out here delivering a subject matter that 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 is that is part and parcel there to there to substantiate that narrative. I don't have time for the narrative, right? So to 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 to, to close it out in terms of uh, in terms of the, you know what what KD should or what whether whether LeBron is going to you know kind of have to deal with the same backlash. No matter what he does, he's not going to deal with any backlash, right? He could he can go on TV and basically he can come out there and 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 actually go out there on the recruiting trips trying to get these te- trying to get these players. But during halftime of a game, and no one's going to say a word. <laughs> it, it, no, I think you're I think you're very right about that, and it's he's it's got, unfortunate. He, he, listen, he's he's got a sports agency that represents kids, not only players. But some of the announcers and the coach and Ty and Ty Lue, his former coach, his his uh, sports agency represented them. Mark Jackson is 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 a uh, is a Clutch Sports client. Wow! So so there you go. That that explains a lot of the um, LeBron friendly lean in his commentary. But um, we we could go on all day about this. Um, there's there's yep. a lot to unwrap on that particular topic, but let's let's just totally uh, change directions here. Um, sure. This year, there is a a young star uh, playing for Dallas by the name of Luka Doncic, and he's widely regarded as the most accomplished European player of all time. Now that I kind of take with a grain of salt because you know a lot of we weren't. Uh, privy to a lot of the records of European players that played in the past. Um, there's uh, legends of Drazen Petrovic, the great, uh, dearly departed Drazen Petrovic, having scored mm-hmm. 114 points in one EuroLeague game. Um, we have no idea what type of numbers and production and uh, success or not success Arvidas Sabonis was having when he was mm-hmm. playing for the USSR prior to the breakup and then Lithuania and then coming to the league. And he's regarded as one of the greatest international players of all time you know so i say all that to say uh everything now is the new thing luka Doncic has really had an outstanding rookie season i myself have having uh, am having some difficulty discerning is he really that good or is it a function of 
the modern NBA with the spacing and the pacing and the the wide open lanes and the overall lack of defense. What are your thoughts on Luka Doncic and his potential NBA future? To coin to coin a famous rapper, um, you better put some respect on that man's name. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I've watched him play. That he's a bad boy. Um, he is a bad boy. Um, so I'm not necessarily wrapped up in what he's doing now, so much as where where he's going to be going, given his his current poise. That kid has a lot of poise. He's got great footwork. He can pass the ball. He has great court vision. He can, he's a big shot maker and a big shot taker. Right. So um, I think a lot of the a lot of the stance there uh, that you're hearing is based on how much poise he has. This guy's essentially he 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 seems unflappable. Right. He seems unfazed by one being a rookie, two being in a league. Um, in a league where all these there are superior athletes and all these stars um, but the thing is there's also precociousness about the guy that is essentially 19 years old and comes yeah. out here yep. and, and, and killing people right Right. so it's, it's like okay you have to you know despite listen the, the rules are the rules the openness of the rules um, are what they are you kind of play in that system however yeah. the, the, the thing that you notice is he is so prepared, right? He is so prepared for all these moments, right? He's so capable in all these moments. I don't know if I don't remember the last rookie I've seen. I mean, just in terms of just being ready, the only rookie that I can remember, uh, shoot, you know, it, 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 not not a lot, right? Not a lot of rookies do I remember who were really that good that early, especially as wing players, right? Um, he is a wing player that's essentially um, that's essentially um, if you're going to ask me when you mentioned Drazen Petrovic he to, to a degree reminds me a lot of Drazen offensively I remember Drazen I'm a Mets fan yeah um, yeah uh, Drazen was tough. Very he tough. reminds me of of Drazen, and and uh, and I know this is gonna annoy you just a little bit, uh, but he's a, he's it's at least early enough, and I'm I'm careful about saying he's a little bit of Drazen, a little bit of Larry Bird, right? And and I'm not saying how much of a Larry Bird. Please don't you know don't, don't, don't uh <laughs> right right no no no, no protest in front of my home and no 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 slanderous media right me, uh, social media postings but no what i say that is he has such a high level of moxie and you can see his understanding of the game already okay right? where where he he's not struggling i don't think he, he like a lot of guys a lot of the europeans their struggle typically is on the physical end right being yeah. able to match up with a lot of guys who are faster than them and who aren't who don't necessarily have the foot speed to be able to beat guys beat those same guys on the defensive end he ain't all that quick and he ain't all that athletic but he is savvy right he's he's skillful he's cunning right and um Mark Cuban made a made a point the other day, which I'm sure a lot of people took umbrage with, when you're saying how a lot of the players uh, in today's era, you know, um, don't necessarily have, you know, the skills that don't necessarily have this. The young players don't have the developed skills to be able to compete. Right? He says, you know, if you put if you take uh, all these younger players and you put them in Slo- Slovenia, the game will be a whole lot better. And a lot of people took umbrage with it. Right? I agreed. 
right? Because you have a young kid like this who's coming in here and essentially destroying everybody you put in front of. He made, he made, I was watching the game last night between OKC and Dallas. He made Paul Pierce, I mean, uh, Paul, uh, George. Paul George look silly. He made him look silly on a couple of plays, right? This dude is, but what it is though, right? It's, it's to the larger point, a guy, a kid like that, and a lot of those kids, because they are, because they're so fundamentally sound, they come and play against kids who aren't necessarily as fundamentally sound despite their athleticism. He comes in there and essentially is able to pick them apart because he has a better skill set than they do. Right? When you look at him play, you can see his skill set. He's, 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 he's very economic, very efficient in, in, in his moves. Not a lot of dribbling. Um, can see the court pretty well. Everything that he does is essentially purpose. Right? All of his moves are purpose. And it, it, to be honest with you, it's refreshing right, to watch a player like that because you know at some point or another, he, if he can continue at this pace, and he's not even doing much, if he can continue at this pace, what it's going to do is inspire others to hopefully come out here and play with that skill set like like, uh, like people that want to shoot just like, uh, like Curry. And that that's right? funny. That's something I was going to kind of point to. Um is and this is something that's been discussed you know through the years i guess beginning with the the european influx with your uh a name out of the past your sarunas marcelonis's and i mentioned arvita sabonis earlier i think that um where we kind of get into that and what mark cuban is talking about when he makes his comments number one mark cuban is has been around for 20 years you know arguably the greatest european player ever right or mm-hmm. the 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 greatest mm-hmm. european player ever in the NBA and so he sees and has seen from a young age there's a total difference in the youth level coaching of the European player versus the American player Flash even if the player has the ability for Flash it's taken out of them until the fundamentals are so thoroughly installed and ingrained that the Flash can come out later on top of that whereas a lot of our players in the United States are not trained from a young age to have that completely rounded skill set the way the Euro guys are. And, I totally um, agree. And, yeah. and, I totally agree. And, and, and essentially, right, Mark Cuban's argument was essentially an argument against AAU, right, where so many of our, so many of our American-born players pick up bad habits as a result of AAU. I just found out the other day that Steph Curry didn't play AAU ball. And which explains a lot about why he doesn't have a, a bunch of bad habits, right? So now, mind you, I don't want to keep going back and forth. I don't want to keep going back to this point. But the reason why LeBron James can't really play in the system because he didn't play because all he played was AAU and no college ball, right? So I like you. And, and, and the reason and the point I'm making is the guys who the guys who essentially have learned from good coaching, right? Have who have good who have been taught solid fundamentals can play in any system you put them in. Right, because essentially the, the 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 structure of their skills are developed versus players who can only play in specialized scenarios because that's all they did in AAU. Right, so so um, to, to the point you made about about how the, the 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 European coaching is is done versus the American coaching system, it's it's essentially there's a there is a focus on the skill development. There's a focus on 
under development of the understanding of the game versus just coming out here and trying to win, right? So, so a guy like and it's it's evident the guys who 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 missed AAU or who didn't play AAU oftentimes really end up doing really well. Um, it, you know their athleticism at some point kicks in, but the guys who the guys who really worked on their games and the guys who 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 who, de, who really did the skill development thing, they always end up playing well. Like the, the elite ones, they always end up playing well because they didn't pick up on those bad habits, right? Things like you know, you know what? Like just foot foot positioning. You know, being being having your elbow under the ball, being able to get your shoulder past the defender. These are the very basic things that now don't, aren't even emphasized anymore because the, the NBA recognizes that there are so many guys who are lacking those skill sets so what are they doing they're essentially saying okay we're not even gonna we're not gonna call you guys for offensive fouls anymore we're not gonna call you guys for the walks anymore you know and and and, and what ends up happening is a Luka Doncic falls out of nowhere who can do all these things naturally and then comes out here and looking like a stud in his rookie year you know what's a prime example of that that you just uh, mentioned and I just thought about it, it just hit me it's Kobe Bryant his formative mm-hmm. basketball years were in Europe, where he yep. played against grown yep. men, so he earned the toughness, but he also had yep. the European coaching style, which yep. led to his almost psychotic devotion to outstanding fundamentals throughout his career. And you saw that in his game offensively yep. and even defensively. So that's an outstanding point that, that you just made, and I, I just thought about it, yeah. I think to, to cap it off, I think I think Luca is Luca is is if he let's just say he stays at this pace, the game isn't even easy for him yet. Let's just say he stays at this pace, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I think essentially Dallas has Dallas has found their their replacement. Dallas has found their replacement to um, for uh, for Dirk, um, and you put the right tools around him. Dallas will be in contention within the next two years. That's a bold statement, and uh, I can't wait to see how that plays out. So um, moving on from that, uh, last thing I want to get into before we get out of here is we've still got a majority of the season left. We're not even at the All-Star break yet, so we've got plenty of time, and we've got interesting things going on. We've got um, the first remotely significant injury of LeBron's career taking place and kind of seeing how the Lakers are handling not having him. But let me have from you uh, five storylines you're going to look forward to going through the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Naturally, it's going to be where does KD end up? Um, Two of them are going to be Golden State. Um, So what the first is going to be where does KD end up, right? Um, basketball sense-wise, it makes sense for him to stay in Golden State because he, he's getting easy shots, right? He literally is getting easy shots. You, the one concern you have to, the one concern they should have is boredom, right? Is, is he just bored with this at this point? Now, yeah, listen, I can't, I can't speak for the man. I don't know what his priorities are, but... Were I him, I'd probably do a, a, another two-in-one. I'd do a two-in-one contract. Stay there for another three years, win a couple of chips, and then go out there and do what I want, do what I need to do after that. That's what I would do if I were him. The other one is going to be the other the other Golden State uh, storyline is going to be the Marcus Cousins. Um, the Marcus Cousins comes in there, and if he just do does half of what half of what he did before he got hurt. 
they're going to be unstoppable because the league is basically predicated on being able to help defensively. But not the way they move bodies, the way they move bodies, and the way they move the way they move the ball. Who are you going to double? You put him on the block, and you, he has a one-on-one matchup. He's going to destroy most every center in the league today, right? So you can't double off him. Not only, but here's the problem: he's a triple threat. He can shoot. Yeah. He can pass. Yeah. He can dribble. Yes. Right. So it's like, and oh, excuse me, he's a quadruple threat because he can also score on that block, right? So, so essentially, they will have you know, right now teams are doubling off of Draymond Green and daring him to do something. Um, you can put Andre Iguodala in that lineup and essentially not lose any productivity. You're literally in a bad spot where now you have to guard. You literally have to guard five players on every play, one on one. And the challenge, the challenge there is, um, you are going to have to pick your poison, and that's going to be a nightmare. So I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. If, 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 if he's out there, if he's out there producing, they're going to win that championship easily. Now, what happens after that happens after that. Um, so that's two. Um, the other storyline is Sacramento, right? The Sacramento King. These guys are. I mean, I like. I kind of really like to watch those guys play because it's, it's a team. Like I'm, I'm, I am of the mind that not every team is going to compete for a championship. It just makes sense, right? It just is what it is. Yeah. But there's some guys who are out here just competing. Right, who, who, uh, you know, just just to give you a little bit, a little bit of background, most games, nationally televised games, I usually watch with the with the with the uh, with the sound off, right, with the TV muted, because I don't want to hear the commentary, right, because the commentary marketing based. When you watch some of these other games, I have the NBA package. When you watch some of these other games, Sacramento Kings, uh, the. Uh, you know Brooklyn Nets um, and and uh, the or you know the New York Knicks and yeah they're, they're not going to win a championship but these guys are just coming out here playing right <clears throat> and and it's 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 fun and refreshing to watch teams just compete right and and Sacramento is one of those teams that does that right these guys essentially if you don't have your wind up and you're not ready these guys are going to run all over you and. It, it appears as though they, as well as the Clippers, will probably sneak into the playoffs, right? And as a, and it'll probably be somewhere around the eight seed, eight and seven seed. You don't want to be the team playing against those guys because they're going to take a piece out of you before you move on. Yeah, you're going to beat them in that first round, but they're going to take a piece out of you on their way. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a young, explosive team that, as you said, really gets up and down. And me personally, I haven't watched a whole bunch of uh, uh, Kings basketball this year, but I will say I'm really intrigued by that backcourt. You got De'Aaron Fox, who he's absolute lightning with the rock in his hands, and mm-hmm. I am a big fan of Buddy Heald, have been since Oklahoma. Yep. I love those type of shooting guards it's often said that um i've heard it said if you spend four years in college that's to your detriment um people see that as having a limited ceiling i love it because you know you look at his continual increase in production over those four years that shows me a guy who's going to continue to work on his game and continue to develop and get better and you can also see that he's done that during his time in the nba and he's also a real shooter 
he's also a real knockdown shooter. Like Buddy Hield can he can shoot that thing. And so I really like that backcourt, and I think that they can do some damage, especially again in a league that doesn't really uh, purport defense, and uh, especially in the West, which realistically has never been a great conference for defense. So I feel like that. I feel as if that uh, that Sacramento backcourt can get off against pretty much anybody in the West except maybe Golden State because none of the other backcourts particularly play great defense. You can most likely count on Chris Paul to get hurt with the Rockets. Um, uh, and then the rest of the teams, you, you got to wonder, like, does anyone really play great D? They can get up and down on you and they can give you some baskets. I, I, I totally agree. I think uh, it, it, so one of the things you said, if I, if I, if I may, about the four-year thing, right, yeah. Buddy Hill. Again, right, it's a stat and highlight situation, right? guy like Buddy Hill, right, he comes in and, yeah, it takes him a while to kind of, uh, you know, to get started. But the, the improvement happens, the jump happens so, so, so drastically in the second year because the skills, because the tools were there for him to be able to to um, to be able to to um, you know, um, uh, you know create the create the avenue for himself to be able to be effective versus a player who doesn't necessarily have the skills and now is starting from zero like a, a Luka Doncic right just to, to, to go back to him one of the reasons why he's so effective is essentially he most of the guys like the Dragon Petroviches the um, the um, uh, who's the lefty? I forgot. Oh, uh, shoot! I always forget his name. The lefty out of Golden State. You get Marshallonis, right? Oh you yeah. Kind of had to. You guys kind of had to figure it out first, right? They came in and they were essentially, you know, um, kind of riding the bench for a while, right? Uh, um, Drazen Petrovic was in was in Portland, right? It had to yes. come to New Jersey to be able to shine, right? Yeah, because he was behind Drexler in Portland, so that wasn't yeah. going to work. Yeah. So, so guys like so a guy like uh, you know Buddy Hill, guys like him, guys like uh, um, um, Luca, they are because they are they have the the foundations, the fundamental skills and foundations in place already. So all it takes is minor adjustment, right? So, so um, watching watching that team, right? Watching that team, uh, and they also have you know uh, who's the other guy that we uh, they have a European shooter over there as well. Who shoots the lights out? Uh, uh, Bogdanovich, right? Another guy, yeah, right? Yeah, another yeah. guy out of Europe, right? Another guy out of Europe who's essentially a shooter, right? Can shoot with a hand in his face and doesn't matter, right? He's a he's a a, a better than decent player who's making a difference. So the, those watching those guys develop is going to be um, is going to be very interesting uh, going forward, at least from my standpoint, right? Um, nice, nice. So what are your uh, what are your two remaining storylines? So the one of the one of them in particular, and this is probably just a preference, but like watching these referees, right? It's 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 aggravating watching these referees the way the referees watching the way the referees officiate. It's like okay, it almost appears as though they want to be part of the action. Right, they want to be part of the equation, right? And and they'll say, well, you know, these guys are, you know, they're they're young, play, they're young, and they're still figuring out. These guys are messing the game up, right? It, it appears at times that they're just blowing the ref, they're just blowing the whistle simply to remind the audience and the teams that they're on the court, right? Because they're so inconsistent, right? Some of the things that they call, like the other day, they threw Andre Iguodala out of the game for throwing a half court shot at the end of the set, at the end of the first half, right? And they said, I think there's something malicious intent or something of that nature. But what are you guys doing? Right? So, so for me, it's, it's, it, I have, I, I, 
one of the other issues before I before I move on, one of the other issues is the, the level of inconsistency, right? They call players for moving picks when everybody's moving on every pick, right? So it's almost as though they have preferences as to who is going to be the player that or which team they're going to call those on and, and, and not. And another thing is, like, they're calling – I've seen an uptick in the amount of offensive fouls that they're calling, but the main the main culprit never gets one called in him at all. I'll let you, I'll let you connect <laughs> the dots as to who that is. Well, um, well but, you know as well as I do, though, that, you know, throughout the years – from the Michael Jordan times, et cetera, you know, certain guys get and don't get certain calls. So I think that's just uh, a mainstay of NBA life. So as frustrating uh, as it can see, be to see, the viewer, I, I will bet, it's I will hard to watch. Different. Here's why. So, so Jordan got away when other, a lot of players other get, other, a lot of other players get away with traveling, right? And here's why, because a lot, to a large degree, traveling is, is, is interpretive, right? A lot of times. Right, because it's it's how quickly the the ref in his mind is saying, "Did I really see that happen?" Right. So, because listen, just as being a coach, right, as being a coach, when you're watching players play, they catch the ball. There's a lot that needs to be you. There's a lot you need to take in in order to be able to make a call, right, or in order to definitively see definitively see something. But when a guy's put his forearm in your chest putting his forearm in the defender's chest because the defender beat him to the spot and pushing defender off, you can't miss that, right? And you can't miss it consistently unless you want to miss it, right? Because here's the thing, they're calling in on other players, right? And a travel to a degree is getting an advantage, is getting the advantage on the defense, because your 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 foot maybe you moved your feet a little too quickly, but putting your elbow in a four, in a defender's chest to dislodge him that's a completely different situation, right? Because you probably you probably could have, especially with with the quicker travels, you probably would have been able to get the move off anyway. You probably just moved your feet too quickly, right? So you would have been able to accomplish whatever it was anyway. At least the travels that the, the better players get away with or have gotten away with. But when you're putting your form in a guy's chest, that means he beat you to the spot and you weren't able going to be able to succeed had you not dislodged him, right? So you're giving an advantage to somebody who's already bigger and stronger than everybody else. And by the way, who had to switch off to a slower player or smaller player in order to, in order to get the advantage, right? So for me, it's like, okay, what are you what are you guys really calling out here, right? But I also you know recognize that the reason why these guys do this stuff is because they are. There's a, there's a higher purpose, right? Like last year in, in, in the uh, in the in the in the uh, playoffs when Indiana versus Cleveland, Indiana had beaten Cleveland. The referee swallowed their whistle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so so it wasn't necessarily it wasn't even the goaltend. It was a foul before the goaltend, and then it was the moving screen on Corver to get LeBron open that that open shot. Right. So there's there's there there is a there is an existing body of work that points all these things out. The issue is though, right? It's these guys have an ultimate objective that they're trying to move towards. So as it relates to watching, I think so much of these so much of these games are ruined by 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 substandard refereeing. So I, I, that's a storyline for me. And to go back to the point that you made, my my last point will be the LeBron injury, right? So it's just like a car, right? <laughs> I think it was Gottlieb that said this. You've got one injury now, right? So let's just say, okay, well, you're in a car. When one thing starts going, other things start going, right? Yeah, definitely the case. So, so the question is, right, and I, what's funny is I said this when LeBron went to, went to L.A., 
I said, one of the things I give him a lot of credit for, LeBron doesn't get hurt because he doesn't really move without the ball. He doesn't move without the ball, doesn't rebound in traffic, doesn't doesn't really, doesn't, he, that's another reason why he has the ball in his hands all the time. He doesn't necessarily do the stuff that gets people injured, right? Um, because moving moving without the ball forces you to have to cut, forces you to have to cut on angles. That's how you get hurt. Uh, or rebounding in traffic, that's how you twist an ankle. He doesn't do any of that. So now it's like, okay, this is the first, this is the first injury. So is that going to be an overcompensation in order to avoid a further injury? And what what effect is that going to have on everything else? Right? Because again, listen, I've, I've been 34 years old. Your body hurts. You yeah. Can say whatever you want to say. Yeah. No, it you does can, not work the same as when you're 20. Absolutely not. <laughs> there, there you go. Right. And a groin injury is a sucky injury. Right. Because. You, I don't know if you ever really heal up from that, right? I don't, and especially if, if this is somebody who hasn't necessarily been injured, it's not like it's not like your body's just gonna say, "Hey, guess what?" Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm giving you a pass because you've never been hurt. And you know I what? That's hurt. an interesting point to number one say that at this age you've never been injured, so your body doesn't know how to react. You don't know how to react to having been injured, coming back slow, rehabbing, et cetera, et cetera. So those are very interesting points. But for me, the biggest point to deal with um, LeBron in this injury is now if he should get hurt again or the injuries start mounting or the nagging injuries and it starts affecting his play, now you have some narratives debunked, right? Because this whole unbreakable Iron Man, unstoppable, never gets hurt thing goes out the window, right? So now the media, what are they going to do about that? Then secondly, if the production starts slipping, then what are they going to do about that? Because as we know, we've never seen anyone in year 16 do the type of things that LeBron James is doing. And while that's true, all of a sudden that goes out the window. So what do you point to, right? So I think that that's very interesting to look at just in terms of we've never seen one groin pull that's going to have such a domino effect. And that's not even to mention the team. Long-term implications. Yeah, absolutely. But but, but again, right, to that that end, let's let's go worst-case scenario here, right? Because let's let's look at Chris Paul, right? Chris Paul gets hurt all the time because of how he plays. Yes. He plays hard, right? He plays hard. And it was funny is I, I was when last year when they were playing against Golden State in, in the in the uh, in, in the in the uh, in the Western Conference Finals. When he got hurt, I was like, I said, "Wow, it was about time." I said, "I was a, I, I said I was a game late." <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean?" I said, "He's as hard as he's playing. I know his history." I said Chris Paul is maybe six feet, five eleven, six feet. He's he's essentially having to force his body to do things that he it, it shouldn't be doing, and he's doing it on a regular basis, right? So he's doing it on a regular basis. So at some point or another, knowing his history, knowing his physical makeup, he at some point or another is going to get hurt. And when he got hurt, I said, "Wow, it was a game late." I I, I had him, I had him, I had him go, getting hurt earlier than that. Um, but what it is, he has a history of groin pulls. He has a history of hamstring issues. That don't happen by accident. LeBron James has a history of back problems, right? So all of that stuff is connected, right? So you're going to at some point or another have to pay the pi- have to pay the piper. Yeah. Let's see if it happens at let's see if it happens at, at age thirty four, which makes the most sense. 
Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. So, you know, just to wrap this all up, um, definitely uh, covered a lot of uh, great topics today. Um, the NBA is it's it's going to be while people of our generation, I know I'm dating myself, sound pretty old right now, but people of our generation who came up watching a completely different game have really had to adjust to what we're seeing in the modern NBA. That doesn't mean it can't still be good. It just means it's a totally different game, but it also allows us to see things probably with a a wider vision in terms of um, assessment of what's happening in today's game. So that that's a very good thing. And I'll definitely uh, be watching throughout the remainder of the season and the playoffs, as I know you will. And um, definitely going to have you back on with me to continue to break down and, and discuss all things NBA. Um, this, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and coming on with me. Bruce, thank you for the opportunity. Feel free to highlight me as you, as needed. I'm available. Um, as 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 we speak, I'm watching the rerun of uh, Toronto versus Miami, and and uh, and Toronto's pretty tough, man. Toronto's going to be a tough out, man. Um, absolutely. Them, as well as if, if Boston figures it out, they're going to be tough as well. So um, so 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 I'm sorry, Toronto actually trying to get the both. Yeah, but um, yeah, that I will be more than glad to help out, man. More than glad to uh, participate. This was fun. Thank Definitely. you for the opportunity. Thank you. Have a good one. Take care, bro.